Welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm your host, Matt Landis, here for part seven of the Bet Bash bonus series. Thrilled to be joined today by pro better Las Vegas Chris. Chris, welcome back to Props and Hops. Lucky number seven. Thanks. It's uh, it's good to be back here, and uh, it was very good finally meeting you for the first time. We've done, what, 52, 53 uh uh, podcast slash videos together and haven't met so it's a, it was a pleasure to meet you last night yeah that was such a thrill to meet you and a few others at alan boston screening of california split at the d to kick off bet bash that was thursday evening we're recording this friday i know people will be hearing it sunday or maybe early the following week but bet bash is going to be such a whirlwind and to kick it off on a high note meeting you right off the bat uh, couldn't ask to set the tone any better and Chris, before we go any farther here, I know you've been on the show a few times. To your point, we've done a lot together. So if people have heard your previous Props and Hops appearances or seen the Bet US NFL show we collaborated on, they have a good feel for who we are and what you do. But for somebody who might be unacquainted or could use a refresher, could you give us a brief elevator pitch on your background as a pro better? I'm a plethora of useless knowledge. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm basically a, a kind of a lone wolf type of guy. I've uh, been betting. I moved to Vegas in 2006 and uh, um, went to the School of Hard Knocks. I evolved from a, uh, um, a square better way back when and uh, just met the right people, developed the right relationships and uh, uh, fortunate enough to have some, uh, some uh, good fortune in uh, various contests over the last 10 years, which uh, I, I actually uh, am kind of... Uh, uh, pleased about uh, the consistency over a decade. Uh, it's not easy to maintain, but um, and I've got my ups and downs as a better and uh, do okay in the NFL. I think that's probably uh, my best. And uh, I'm honing my UFC betting skills uh, the last uh, year or so, uh, which I which is actually the most interesting because I was never a UFC fan and I'm not that much of one now. And maybe that's what helps me uh, do okay in the UFC is I don't get predispositioned in any way. And it, it's more of a, a job per se is, is trying to create ways to bet it efficiently, which is uh, very important with UFC. I want to make sure that we touch on UFC as well as the NFL, among other topics. But as I think about the way we wrapped up the season collaborating on the Bet US NFL show, you mentioned there being no such thing as the offseason. And it seemed maybe a bit tongue in cheek, but maybe not so much because it really has felt like this of all off seasons has been as active as ever. It really is the NFL becoming more and more a 365 day a year endeavor. So how has this offseason been treating you in terms of keeping up with everything and also where you can kind of coming up for air and enjoying maybe a change of pace post Super Bowl. You know, I used to take uh, 100 to 120 days off a year. Uh, since 2005, I go to Asia and, and just take all my days off in a row because there are no days off when you're, in, you know, when you're uh, sports betting, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, but obviously with the pandemic, I've been here and everything has changed and evolved for me. And, uh, you know, we're doing some videos uh, on my YouTube channel, some weekly videos with my friends, uh, Ron and Ted. And 
the slogan is it's a lot easier. It, it's be, it's easier to keep up with the NFL than catch up on the NFL. And there's no truer word spoken, quite frankly. I firmly believe that this offseason so far is more interesting than, you know, a handful of regular season weeks of the NFL. So uh, that's what I kind of like about it. And I remember coming back from these summer vacations and having to play catch up and it was kind of overwhelming. And I'm just really looking forward to just being right on the ball uh, as things go along and there isn't going to be any catch up. So I think that that's going to be important for uh, improved results next year. I think the way you've outlined that approach really indicates the mark of a pro and something that a lot of bet bash attendees probably wish they could pick your brain about at some of these sessions over the course of the event. But to be clear, you're, I guess, let's call it an honorary bet bash attendee, not um, formally attending all the sessions. But again, you were at the California split screening hosted by Alan Boston to kick things off. And I was wondering if we could get your thoughts. Uh, we'll dig into the Bet Bash event a bit since you're a pro better here in Vegas. It is affecting you in some way. Um, but what were your thoughts on the screening and the Q&A to get things rolling last night? Um, I, I actually had another uh, obligation to go to before, which was quite interesting. A lot of industry people. Um, so I didn't actually watch the movie with everybody, but I showed up just as the Q&A was starting. And uh, it was interesting. I mean, it's an interesting movie. I watched it for the first time. Somehow I had missed it. Uh, being the movie buff I am, I've watched just about everything at some point, but that slipped through the cracks. And it was an interesting movie. And, it was, and I had always wanted to uh, meet Alan Boston. I think he's a very interesting guy. Uh, uh, he's a lot like me in some respects where there's a lot of mental stuff going on in his head. And uh, I ran into Rufus last night and it was a pleasure to meet him. And I really respect the way Rufus has been tweeting out the mental aspects of betting and the importance of having uh, your head on your shoulders and, you know, you know, properly reconcile what the hell's going on in your head properly. Uh, and uh, so anybody that really talks like that uh, about the mental aspects of betting uh, I really, uh, you know, appreciate and I really tune in. So it was a pleasure to meet uh, Alan last night uh, and, and just see him in action. And I, I don't know whether you noticed, but Heidi Fleiss was one of the two women with him last night. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the two. We'll leave it at that for this yeah. conversation. <laughs> but a tip for anybody as you talk about, you know, kind of rubbing elbows with Rufus Peabody and meeting Alan. Um, Anybody who's in Vegas and doesn't have a ticket to bet bash, that's not necessarily a problem if you want to participate in some way, if you're a casual better or just want to, you know, get something out of the event. People can check out betbash.co for a schedule of meetups happening between sessions. Um, this episode's coming out Sunday morning. So Sunday afternoon, Monday afternoon, there will be opportunities for non-ticket holders to meet some of these people and, and still get some great insight without having to pay a dime for it if they're not in a position to do so. So I think that's a valuable point that you touched on there. And also, as you outline, you know, the pleasure you took in meeting some of these people last night. I got the sense initially that you were pretty skeptical about an event like Bet Bash and wonder if your experience last night or things you've picked up on more recently have been turning that skepticism around in any way. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I admittedly, uh, I, uh, I kind of scoffed at it a little bit. Uh, I, I ran into Spanky last night and I, I patted him on the back and I said, hey, I give you credit. You've really, uh, the marriage with Circa and uh, the effort that these guys have made 
I think this event is going to be, you know, pretty darn interesting. And uh, I mentioned to him that I'm, you know, quite impressed by how it's developing. And it just seems to have the foundation to be something that's going to build and last for years to come. And I, there's just so many people that DM me or that I talk to that are disappointed that they didn't take advantage of being here. And I'm sure if it comes back here or in the East Coast, they're going to reconsider. So there's a lot of people that will uh, that aren't here that will come to future events. So I look for this to be a continuing process. It's 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 been it's very well done. And perhaps the most beneficial thing, there are a lot of sessions and expert panels taking place, but I think a lot of people, regardless of where they are in the betting spectrum, can learn a lot when it comes to the hidden value of networking in person. And that seems to be right up your alley. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? You know, it's really funny, too, because uh, I actually uh, have a friend that's trying to break into the industry and uh, I'm, I'm making an introduction uh that's quite valuable uh, for him uh, uh, today uh, so that he may be able to break in the industry. And, and one of the comments that I made to him was, you know, throughout the years, you meet a lot of people and it, it what you should do with people is get to know people and, and not have any expectations and let things just happen naturally. Don't try to force things. And throughout the years, I've been pleasantly surprised at how many relationships, you know, down the line, just somehow, uh, you know, via osmosis or whatever, you know, they, they, they mean something somewhere down the road. Even if they, you know, either both parties aren't doing something for each other, they still have value in developing friendships. And it, maybe they don't make you money, but they, they, they expand your knowledge base and they may introduce you to other people. And it's just important to know as many people in this industry as possible, because realistically, it's all about information. You know, the sports books have all the information that you have. And if you think you have something or some sort of an edge, that's going to last for about two minutes. So the, where you really have the edge is on information. You know, who's going to be moving the numbers, uh, getting a, you know, a few minutes lead on injuries and such. And, uh, you know, strategies, discussions, and, and just the whole evolution of your learning curve is important to know as many people as possible. I think of the bases you're covering right now with the Major League Baseball regular season win total market, or even now the NFL regular season win total market, in addition to UFC you touched on off the top of this conversation it's almost impossible for any one person to master each of those areas on their own. So really the power of networking, I think, plays out in the way that you can get down in advantageous ways across so many different options on the betting board. So if we just go one by one with a few different areas in that realm, I would like to talk to you a little bit about Major League Baseball season wins. I know right before we recorded uh, in the video stream that you and I can see you held up a little green sheet with everything that you're tracking. So what goes on behind the scenes with your process as the Major League Baseball regular season win total market opens up? And are there any angles that you think betters looking to get in play would be wise to consider at this time of year? Um, I personally do not recommend. I mean, I... I don't like to tie up money per se long-term. I don't necessarily recommend that to other people. I certainly don't recommend betting in credit shops uh, for futures or anything long-term because you may not get paid. You, you just don't know. It's just too long of a window. You know, I'm in a personal situation where 
I've got money sitting dead, you know, in a lot of locations and, you know, you can't put it in the bank and make any money and there's nothing to invest in. So, you know, I'm able to use these shops, uh, the money's sitting there anyway. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of season win futures and you're finding a lot of differences of value where you can play both sides or, you know, where a line's going to move and you can just take a, an advanced position and you know, you're going to buy back later on. And, uh, so it's baseball season wins. I'm always middling those. You know, if I can get two, three points or three, two to three wins difference, uh, that's what I'm looking for. And it's worth my time because, you know, you can hedge out at the end uh, if you get close. Uh, but at least it's doing something. At least it's taking a shot on the stuff. But I'm tracking, you know, nine or ten books. I'll, I'll check each of them out each day. I'll see where they, they shift out and uh, see if there's any more opportunities to, to, uh, to play something. Sounds like a bit more of a top-down approach, as Spanky would phrase it, where you're picking off discrepancies between books versus doing too much of the heavy lifting, handicapping on your own. And I think that can be just a really efficient way to get in play on a market like this. I'm wondering with NFL regular season win totals, if it's a similar concept. I know that when we talk NFL and have Las Vegas Chris on the line, I've got to note that it's so cool that Roxy Roxbro singled you out as perhaps the one exception to his rule that nobody beats the NFL. I know sides and totals can be a different market, but still that is very high praise from a very credible source. Uh, so piggybacking on your MLB regular season win total advice, anything similar or perhaps a bit different looking at the same market in the NFL? Well, that was this when somebody like that makes a comment like that, you know, your life goes downhill from there. So uh, that was the <laughs> peak, but uh, that was very kind, kind of him to say. But the uh, see, I think what I didn't mention, what I, I don't think what I clarified was people don't want to put up the cash at the brick and mortar places for seven or eight months, and I don't blame them. And that's why you're finding huge discrepancies. Uh, you know, it's it seems like the laziest market you could possibly imagine with the huge differences and for good reason. Who the hell wants to put that money up? It's not it's not worth your time. You can churn that money over and over again. But as, as you already know, I, I was never really a fan of taking preseason positions on, on NFL because I, I don't want it to convolute, so to speak, whatever I'm doing midseason. Uh, baseball, I don't handicap myself, so I don't care about that. I'm completely indifferent. So, yeah, I I've got six, seven different positions, and I'm happy to have them, but I didn't do the handicapping. People that I trusted the handicapping. When it comes to NFL this season, I'm probably going to have some season wins. Uh, uh, you know, I picked out, the, you know, the, we knew Washington wasn't going to fare well last year. We knew the Lions weren't going to fare well last year. So uh, I'm hoping that we pick out some gems this year, and I, I might take a handful of them. When it comes to a market that doesn't require fronting money and sitting on it for months, the UFC, something that you're really putting a lot of time into and growing your expertise when it comes to mixed martial arts these days, how would you describe your approach to betting the UFC and maybe any advice that up and coming bettors looking to learn the sport from a betting standpoint could benefit from? You know, I bust my ass in the NFL and I think I might be working harder in the UFC. And I think it's the last inefficient market that's left all these other markets are efficient they're very tough to beat the ufc is something different because it's it, it just feels it has that feel every single week of it being the wild west and these lines move a hell of a lot i mean you i i, I mean 
in two hours, you can just have 40, 50% moves. And it's just, you know, the moves are just something you would never see in any of the other sports. So what's really important to me that I'm doing differently is I don't want to, I'll play the, the, the favorites, but I'm going to use them in different ways. I find creative ways to bet each fight and it's not easy. It's very time consuming. And I, I know UFC, you know, kind of is a turnoff to people. I'm telling you right now, I could give a crap about UFC. I could, I didn't care a year ago, but there's money to be made and it's growing and it's interesting. And the margins that you can find the differences between shop to shop to shop and value is just extraordinary, it, huge differences. But my, what I, de- what I try to do is I want as many plus money uh, transactions as possible. So, you know, coming into this week, I, I've been around 225 wagers this year over, what is that? Nine weeks. So I'm averaging about 25 bets. The average price of what I'm doing is plus 151. Only 25% of what I do is a favorite position where I'm laying a price. So 75% of my stuff is plus money. It's very important. And uh, one of the creative ways that I do, which I I don't know why people don't do this more often, is I'll multi-purpose parlays where I, I feel that there's a ton of value betting an event that starts early and using it as a parlay. And that's the money you were going to put on that fighter anyway, or any event. It could apply to any sport. You're good. You have X amount of money you want to invest in uh, event number one. And if event number one goes your way, then you don't have to do anything. You've got the back end parlayed and you have an exponential added value on that back end. So you have a lower risk uh, on that back end item. Uh, and if the first event, you know, crashes and burns, you've got time to go ahead and still bet that second event. No harm, no foul. You were going to lose that money in the first event anyway. So you might as well put your money to work. And, uh, so I do a lot of layering, uh, between timed events that, you know, have different starting times that allow me to change my positions and, 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 and act accordingly. So sometimes it really reduces my risk. Uh, for the later events. And then sometimes I have to scramble if the front end's lost. But, you know, my ROI right now, I haven't fin- computed last week, but 225 bets is 14% coming into last week. So it's a pretty solid number. I'm, I'm doing my work. There's so much that we could unpack there. One area I'd like to follow up. You mentioned ROI and earlier on, you mentioned betting a lot of plus money. And I think a lot of bettors look at win percentage with different bets you know if somebody in the nfl we know if you're laying minus 110 and you're hitting 53 percent or better you're profitable but that break-even percentage can change based on the vig involved in every bet you're making so you know if you're laying minus a thousand and you're hitting 55 percent, something's going terribly wrong if you're betting a lot of underdogs and you're anywhere near 50 percent, you're doing quite well so could you speak to the difference between let's call it strike rate just pure percentage of wins and losses for total bets made versus ROI. A lot of times you might be wise to make a bet that you expect to lose just because the odds say you might not be losing it, you know, as often as one might think. 
You know, this this has become, I'm fascinated you actually touched on this subject without me prodding you. I, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, is when you hear people talking about their win-loss or their profit, it, it doesn't, it's, it's freaking meaningless almost. It, I don't care what your win-loss is. My win-loss in UFC is 43%. 43%. My ROI is 14% coming into last week. And uh, uh, my average unit size has been 0.76 of 1%. And I was plus 26% for the year. And I'm only winning 43% of the time. But so if you if you go by win-loss, I'm a big, huge loser at 43%. So that doesn't tell you anything. Uh, it's really important if... If people are going to follow people, which a lot of people, I follow people. So everybody follows people. Everybody has help. It's important to understand how people are making their money. If somebody just tells you that their win-loss is this, that doesn't tell you enough. And if people tell you, well, I've made this much profit. Well, what happens if their profit was at a 2% ROI? What happens if it takes them $30,000 of bets to make the same amount that it takes you $10,000 to make that amount? It's a huge difference. And there's a huge space. I would say 95% of the betters do not even know what ROI is. And it's extremely important for a sport like UFC, but it's also extremely important for every sport is how much do you risk to make the profit? When people tell you they make profit, it doesn't tell you enough. How much did you, did you have to lay out to make that profit? Man, I feel like after these last, what, five or 10 minutes, once we got into UFC up to this point, if Spanky hears this and isn't begging you to be on a panel at the next Bet Bash, should Bet Bash return to Vegas, then there's a missed opportunity. Um, I, I hope that some of the Bet Bash audience who won't see you at some of the sessions can still benefit from the knowledge you're sharing here. It's clear that there's a lot of depth and breadth to your betting approach. And I'm wondering what you might think of as your superpower, for lack of a better term, of all the things required to do what you do. What do you think it is that you do best as a pro better? I think I think what it, what I do best is try to remove ego as much as possible, understanding that uh, that I'm not the smartest guy in the room at any time. And be willing to always have an open mind and learning more uh, because you're never going to keep up on everything that you need to know. It's a constant learning process. You know what? I had a thought. This is really interesting. And it dawned on me because, you know, from our previous podcast, I love to listen to as many podcasts as possible from every range. I, you know, I, I'll listen to the snobs. I'll listen to the morons. I'll listen to everybody because and it dawned on me as I'm listening to a podcast this week of somebody that just got into the business, uh, less than a year of experience. And it was a female. And I'm sitting there going, who the hell would want to, I'm thinking to myself, who the hell would want to listen to this person? You know, in reality, what are you going to really learn from somebody that is openly saying, oh, I just started betting and this, that, and the other. And as I'm listening, I'm realizing how refreshing it is because when you listen to people that are just getting involved in it again, for the first time, they're coming in at all these different angles that you may or may not have considered or maybe completely fresh and not in your wheelhouse of thinking. And it, I, I just thought it was good for the thought process to have that fresh 
kind of perspective because people that are new to this have so much, you know, much higher passion, much higher energy. They're not jaded. So they're so optimistic and they, they are absolutely on point to get gather as much information as possible. And what's really funny is with Twitter and all the resources for information, they're picking off tidbits that are completely out of your wheelhouse that if you're listening to these people, hey, wait, let me let's go ahead and check that out. And you realize, oh, my gosh, you know, there's this whole you know, wealth of knowledge in this area or, or from this angle. And it can be quite refreshing, frankly. I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And I think something that could be refreshing for other betters on the other end, looking up to a pro better such as yourself could be knowing that just because you're a pro, I mean, I, I know we don't have video for the audience for this conversation, but people who have seen previous clips or seen you elsewhere, you've got two of the oversized checks behind you from your contest success over the years that doesn't mean that you're perfect at what you do. And I think that can be so refreshing for people to understand that um, if it's okay, I can cut this out if you would prefer it. But um, you recently had an experience where you bet 10 times more than you meant to on a tennis play. And you had a bunch of lost tickets that had won and, and you're unable to cash them in if you can't find them. Like this happens even at the pro level when you've got a lot going on, we're all human. So I think that can be refreshing to everybody. Uh, would you mind elaborating a bit on, you know, even though you're so successful in so many ways, you're still human and, and very imperfect at the same time. I don't know anybody that doesn't make mistakes. They may not talk about them or they may just talk about them privately, but you know, the dumb, sh dumb crap I do every now and then it, it just never goes away. You're never going to be perfect. But uh, yeah, I mean, th this is a valuable lesson. Uh, last year I made about $30,000 in live bets with tickets and I lost the freaking tickets. I still haven't found them. And so the season ended and I, I spent days searching my whole house, have no idea wh where they went to, but I still got them all cashed. And the reason I got them cashed is because I'm using my player's card. Very important to use your track, you know, to be tracked. I also had the history of my communications with my wife who bought the tickets. I knew the exact dates and times and what I was betting. Uh, so I was able to go to these casinos and say, hey, I bet this, this and that at this time and date. And I got paid on all of these. So important lesson to everybody. Use your player cards, track as much po as possible, take photocopies uh, or Xeroxes of everything that you have. But uh, yeah. And the other thing is dumb. I don't know what the hell happened, but I was betting tennis and somehow an extra zero popped up. And I didn't even realize it till the event was over, but I bet t 10 times more than I wanted to on a tennis match. And uh, I'd never done something that bad. It was ridiculous. So uh, it, 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 anything can happen. And uh, the, fortunately, I, I didn't tell you, I actually won it. <laughs> so. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Hopefully that doesn't just destroy the longevity with that account in that case. No, it never goes that way. Every time you make a mistake, it's it, it, the, you always lose. And I finally won one. All right, there you go. Well, I'll, I'll note that a lot of people listening to this will probably never Xerox one of their betting tickets moving forward. But I do like the idea of taking pictures, having documentation that should you lose a physical ticket, having some recourse to your point can make all the difference. And Chris, you've outlined so much over the course of this conversation, some at a very high level from what you do, some of it very relatable for anybody, even if they're just starting out. If you were to put yourself in the shoes of, let's say, an up-and-coming better listening to this conversation, what would you say might be one or two of the most important skills in betting for somebody to focus on from that position? 
information gathering and networking is, is by far, you know, the most important. I mean, you know, the boring money management type stuff. I mean, everybody need, knows they need to manage their money properly and, and have as many. I, I mean, I guess the one thing people are stubborn about is if you're going to take it seriously, you have to have every place funded, every place, you know, it's, you have to have access to as many lines as possible. You know, every half point, every nickel, every dime matters. You know, it, 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 it allows you to lose at a much slower rate since most people do lose. Uh, and it, it's just important to, to do network and get information. That reminds me of something that everybody can relate to. And I think everybody does some version of this when they travel. I tweeted about it yesterday when I landed at McCarran Airport. I guess it's Harry Reid International Airport now. But looking for a ride to get downtown to the D where I'm staying for Bet Bash, Uber versus Lyft. Uber would have taken a few minutes longer to pick me up and it would have been $3 more expensive. Guess what? I took a Lyft. No questions asked. From a betting standpoint, those same options exist. I know Rob Pizzola uses the example. If you're at the grocery store and looking at the same shelf, the same bag of chips, one of them is $3, one of them is $2. Which one are you going to buy? You know, from a line shopping standpoint, we have so many of those options. And it's for some reason, if it's shopping at the store or, you know, shopping the rideshare apps, everybody kind of does it. And a lot of people who do those same things will bet into one book. And it doesn't take a lot more effort to shop around. And if people want to, again, circling back to your points about ROI, making you know a bigger difference in the long term than one loss percentage, if you want to maximize your ROI, yeah, a little line shopping can go a really long way. I think people can get way too carried away with this type of stuff. Uh, I, I think 99% of people just want to like be reasonably on the ball, so to speak, and, and not anally track every single dime and have to have every single edge. Uh, and, and I understand that because this is supposed to be fun. And if you're planning on doing it for a living, good luck. Uh, it's a, it's, it's very intrusive in everyday life and it's, it, it, it weighs on the psyche over time. But, uh, uh, for the for the regular person, have fun with this first and foremost, but just don't foolishly give give money away. Is is, is you know is important. Just know where you can lose it at a at a slower rate uh, or win more when you do win, and it's just so important. People ignore it. Yeah, well said. I like the reframe of still keeping it fun. It doesn't mean track every book in existence, but instead of just one, if you can get three and do something, you know, oftentimes three or three to five can be the magic number. It doesn't take dozens and dozens of outs like some pro betters have, uh, you know, just a couple in the arsenal can make a big difference and, and still keep it fun without making it too burdensome of an effort at the same time. Chris, I've got one more question from you, pivoting from sports a little bit, weaving in the Malinsky minute. In addition to David Malinsky's legendary sports knowledge, local restaurants, you know, mom and pop independently owned spots were just one of his biggest passion points. I think that you know, Mount Charleston and Lotus of Siam were the reasons he lived in Vegas more so than betting. And uh, beyond a Lotus of Siam, I know you're well familiar with them as well. I was wondering if you could give us, let's call it Las Vegas Chris's Las Vegas restaurant recommendations. Yeah, uh, I think it's important to get off the strip if you can. If you're visiting Las Vegas, it has become painfully expensive. And, uh, it, 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 it just feels like they have uh, their hands in your pockets as they're trying, as they're sitting you down, you know, frankly, but 
looking for places that have character, there's a, a place that's on Sahara and near Eastern called the Italian American Club. And uh, as, a, as a friend of mine once said, uh, never, he's never seen so many uh, um, uh, fathers with their daughters, so to speak. <laughs> but it's one of those old style places where uh, you, you, you've got the little band going and you've got the uh, uh, kind of a Goomba crowd a little bit. And uh, it, it's a really interesting place with a, a good Italian food that's been there since 1966, standalone building. And uh, it, the reasonable prices, it's, it's one of those little character type places to go to. Uh, the kind of sticks out that nobody would uh, think of, so to speak. Um, you know, if you don't want to break the bank and you go downtown, Andiamo's, I think, is the, the best all around value with food quality. And that's at the D. Uh, excellent food, never had a bad meal there. And they're not breaking the bank there. Uh, I, I really like that, you know, if you're looking for steak and, su and such. Uh, pizza. Pizza Rock is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Try to get some Detroit pizza. They've got some good Detroit pizza there. Uh, if you like a buffet, you have to go to Bacchanal. That's at Caesar's Palace. Uh, I, I heard bad news that they may have raised the price again. and uh, uh, But it's at least $75. But they they have seven different solid food stations of different uh, types of food. And it, uh, it, it's worth for how much you have to spend to go elsewhere. That may sound ridiculous for a buffet. You're saving money going, the, the, you know, versus going to a regular restaurant and you've got a great selection of food there. In fact, it was so good that they, they was cannibalizing the other restaurants. They've had to keep raising the prices because the lines were just ridiculous. I think a, a couple of Thanksgivings ago, I tweeted out a sign and it had a real long line of people behind the line that said the waiting time from here is three and a half hours. So it's a, it's a very popular destination. That reminds me of being in Southern California. Whenever Disneyland raises its prices, everybody seems to lose their minds. And yet there's still a two hour wait every Saturday for Space Mountain. So in one sense, yeah, it's painful when prices go up. But the law of supply and demand, if there's that much demand, then you could argue the prices might not be high enough. Chris, it's clear that whether people want to bet well or eat well, you've got them covered in Vegas. So I want to make sure to plug your work so people know where to find you if they're not following you already on Twitter at Las Vegas Chris. You've also got a good YouTube channel going. I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. Anything I'm missing or anything else you'd like to add? No, not really. Uh, um, I'm just plugging along and uh, I try to have useful, you know, useful or funny tweets and I don't tweet a lot, uh, uh, but uh, I just try to be different and try to have fun. I'm, you know, I'm an old fart. I'm not trying to build a brand or anything. I'm not trying to uh, do, just trying to be me and trying to have fun and, uh, and just rolling with the punches. Yeah, the authenticity really shines through. And thank you from me and everybody else who benefits from the wisdom and sometimes just the pure entertainment from everything that you share. I want to take a moment to let everybody know that that's going to do it for this episode of the Bet Bash bonus series here on Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. If you've enjoyed this conversation, I'd recommend checking out the Dimers Podcast Network at dimers.com slash podcasts for more gambling content. Tomorrow, the series goes on. But Chris, for now, thanks once again for your time and insight. It was great to meet you in person last night, and I'll look forward to seeing you again soon for lunch today.
spicy Thai food. Drops and ups and cups and ups.